We have an anchor that keeps the soul steady. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. You know, as Christians, one of the things that God has done to remind us the great blessings that we enjoy in Christ is the institution of what we call the Lord's Supper. Every first day of the week, we have the opportunity, the privilege, to partake of the Lord's Supper, to remind ourselves of the death of Jesus. Specifically, the body that was given for us. And then the blood that was shed so that we might enjoy the redemption that is available only in Jesus Christ. And so every first day of the week when we come together, we have such a great opportunity to keep before us the death of Jesus. Sometimes, however, people tend to forget the great blessings that they enjoy in Christ. One of the reasons they forget is because they fail to remember his death on the first day of the week. So today I want us to think for a minute or two about the danger of forgetting God. And I want us to look at Jeremiah, because Jeremiah, identified by some as the weeping prophet, and Jeremiah was writing to the children of Israel, to the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom. And God was pleading with those people to return to him. They had forgotten him. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah would say they had forsaken God. And sadly, there was no reason for that. There were things that were set in place to help them remember the Lord. And yet they had forgotten him. And so let's think for a minute or two about the danger of forgetting the Lord. I want to begin by, first of all, talking about their relationship to the Lord. That is, Israel's relationship to the Lord. The nation of Israel enjoyed a tremendous relationship with God. God had blessed them in many, many ways. As a matter of fact, if you go back and look at the children of Israel down in the land of Egypt, God had brought them out of the land of Egypt, entered into a covenant relationship with them, identifying them as his people. And God chose the nation of Israel so that the Christ, the promised seed of Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, might make his entrance into the world. And so the nation of Israel enjoyed so many great blessings and God had entered into a relationship with those people. So I think about their association with the Lord. And as I think about their association with the Lord, I'm reminded of what Jeremiah said in chapter 3. Here's what God said to the nation of Israel. I am married to you. I am married to you. You know, as a child of God, Paul would tell us that when we obey the gospel, that we are married to Christ. We enjoy a very intimate relationship with Christ. When we are buried with Christ in baptism, the Bible says we rise to walk in newness of life. And in Romans chapter 7 verse 4, Paul said, look, you are married to Christ. These people were married to the Lord. In other words, God had entered into a very special, close-knit relationship with the nation of Israel. So I think about his association with them and then his affection for them. Over in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3, 
God would say to the nation of Israel, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Who could doubt the love that God has for us today? I mean, when you begin to read through the Scriptures, it is evident that God clearly, concisely loves each and every person, doesn't He? Over and over again, the Bible talks about the love of God. As a matter of fact, the very nature of God is love. Because John would say in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, God is love. And based on that love, God wants to have a relationship with us. Do you remember the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the saints in Ephesus? And he said, but God who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he loved us. Now think about ancient Israel. They enjoyed a close-knit relationship with the Lord. Their association well documented as, as God said, look, I'm married to you. His affection for them, God would say, I have loved you with an everlasting love. There is no one today outside the scope of God's love. Jesus himself said in the golden text of the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you remember John would say in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. God chose the nation of Israel. Why? Because he loved them. So I think about their association to the Lord, his affection for them, and then his attention. We talk about the Lord's association with Israel. His affection for Israel and his attention to Israel. Go back and look at chapter 2 for a minute. In chapter 2, verse 5, Jeremiah asked this question on behalf of God. What injustice have your fathers found in me? That they've gone far from me? He said, they followed idols and have become idolaters. Neither did they say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness? through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and the shadow of death, through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt. And then listen to him in verse 7. God said, I brought you into a bountiful country to eat my fruit. And he said, and it's goodness. But when you entered, he said, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. Now you can go back and look at the children of Israel And over and over again, God demonstrated His tremendous love and care for them time and again. And so, God cared for the nation of Israel just as He cares for us. We talk about the benevolence of Almighty God. All of the great blessings and favors that we enjoy. You know, the psalmist said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Was Israel, the southern kingdom, were they a benefactor of all of great of God's great blessings and favors? Yes, they were. And you think about those of us today, all of the great blessings and favors that we enjoyed in Christ. Paul tells us every spiritual blessing resides in Christ in Ephesians 1 verse 3. That God is the one who has bestowed on us every good and perfect gift. The things that we enjoy physically, materially, and most of all spiritually. All found in Christ Jesus. So as I look at the book of Jeremiah, as I think about the danger of forgetting the Lord, first I'm reminded of their relationship to the Lord. But then secondly, think with me if you would for a moment or two about their rejection of the Lord. Two things here. First, I want to talk about, and I want you to think with me for a minute or two, 
Think about how they forgot the Lord. These people forgot the Lord. As hard as that may be for us to wrap our minds around, they forgot the Lord. Listen to what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 32. Can a maid, a virgin, forget her ornaments? Or a bride her attire? He said, yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Those of you who are married, do you remember your wedding dress? Sure you do. We don't forget that, do we? If you were a bride, you remember your attire. And I would imagine those of us, those of us today who are the husbands, I would imagine that we remember the wedding dress that our wife wore on that day. Jeremiah is saying here, look, a lady doesn't forget her jewelry. A lady doesn't forget the wedding dress she wore. But he said, my people, they have forgotten me days without number. Two things that stand out. Number one, it was incredible that they forgot God. I mean, you ask the question, how in the world could these people have forgotten the Lord? He had been good to them. He had lavished His love upon them. He had sustained them time and again. They were the recipients of all of these great blessings and favors. And then add to that the fact that God said to them, look, I'm married to you. Now, we asked the question a moment ago, do you remember your wedding dress? Those of us who are married, God said to the nation of Israel, look, I'm married to you. As a child of God, Paul would say, we're married to Christ. If you're married today, would it bother you if your mate became unfaithful to you? Would it bother you if your husband or wife disrespected your relationship, your marital relationship, the vows that you made? Would it bother you if they had any number of lovers outside the context of your marriage? I know what the answer is. Yes, it would bother you. It would tear you apart. Why? Because that's my wife. Or you might say, that's my husband. And we made vows together that we would be faithful until death. Well, God said to the children of Israel, look, I'm married to you. But you know what? They became unfaithful to him. And that was an incredible thing. When people become unfaithful to the Lord today, it is an incredible thing. Why? Number one, because of your association with the Lord. You're married to Christ. It's an incredible thing because of His affection for you. God has said over and over again, look, I love you. My love for you is evident in the death of Jesus on Calvary's cross. Do you remember what Paul said? God commendeth His own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The very fact that God loves us. And then you think about His active care. That there's a God who loves us, who supports us, who sustains us through thick and thin. Why would we turn our back on Him? It's an incredible thing when people forget the Lord. Now, not only was it an incredible thing, but it was an inevitable thing. Now you ask the question, how in the world could these people have forgotten God? I mean, how could they have forgotten the God that they sustained a very intimate relationship with? Well, in chapter 7, verse 28, Jeremiah said on behalf of the people of God, This is a nation that will not obey me, nor receive correction. 
And he said, truth has perished and been cut off from their mouth. Here's the problem. They had abdicated the will of God in their lives. In other words, God had given them His Word, had He not? And you look back at the history of the nation of Israel. First, the northern kingdom. And God identified them as their sister, Israel. They had become spiritually bankrupt. Back in Hosea chapter 4, Hosea indicted them. Because he said there's no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. You ask the question, how in the world did that happen? God had given them His law. As a matter of fact, Paul would say in Romans chapter 3 verse 2, that they had been entrusted with the very oracles of God. The commands of God were given to, to really keep them in check, morally and spiritually speaking. Some of those commands related to their relationship to God. Other commands dealt with their relationship to their fellow man. So Hosea is writing in chapter 4, verse 1. And he's saying the Lord brings an indictment, a controversy against the inhabitants of the land. Why? Because there's no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. And then here's what he said. There is swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery. He said they break all restraint with bloodshed after bloodshed. Chapter 4, verse 6, he said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What happened? They forgot the word of God. And what Jeremiah is saying is, these people had abandoned the will of God and the Word of God in their lives. Whenever we lay aside the truth of Almighty God in our lives, let me tell you what, we're on thin ice. And what Jeremiah was saying in the in the long ago, it was an incredible thing that these people could forget God. Why? Because it's not, it's not normal. I mean, look back. Look at the relationship they sustained and look at how good God had been to them. And then... It was inevitable. Why? Because they walked away from the Lord, didn't they? When people leave God today, it's incredible. Incredible because of all He's done for them. It's inevitable when people lay aside His Word, when they fail to be involved in His work, when they absent themselves from worship. It's a byproduct. And so, Jeremiah is pleading with these people. Now, think with me. First, we think about how they forgot the Lord. But then Jeremiah said they forsook the Lord. Well, how so? Well, think with me for just a moment or two. First and foremost, they became idolatrous. Go back and look at chapter 2 again. Jeremiah asked the question, what injustice... Have your fathers found in me in that they have followed idols? And then here's what he says, and have become idolaters. Can you believe that? I mean, in light of all that God had done for them, he had identified himself as the one true living God. They were to love him with all of their heart, soul, and mind based on Deuteronomy chapter 6. God said, these words which I command you shall be in your heart. He said, you'll teach them diligently to your children. In other words, you're to pass on your faith. If anyone knew something about the one true living God, the nation of Israel did. And yet they got caught up in idolatry, didn't they? And as a result of that idolatry, they were swept away. There are lots of forms of idolatry today. As a matter of fact, the Bible equates covetousness to idolatry in Ephesians chapter 5. 
And you know, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, Take heed and beware of covetousness. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Now, think about our world today. There are two things that rule supreme in our nation. One is money and the other is materialism. Jesus said, the things you have in life do not define you. But the world says, what you have and where you are, that's what defines you. And so there are people today, they're in this constant quest for more. In other words, it's all about what you can get. It's all about materialism and money. And yet, Paul said, those who are minded to be rich fall into a temptation and snare and many foolish and hurtful lust. First Timothy chapter 6, he would say, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He didn't say money is evil in and of itself. But what he is saying is, when people become so obsessed with the almighty dollar that they they live in pursuit of that day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. He said, let me tell you what. It'll bankrupt you spiritually. So, here were people that became idolatrous. And then, not only do we read about their idolatry, but their ingratitude. Verse 6. God said, neither did they say, where is the Lord? Who brought us up out of the land of Egypt? Who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and the shadow of death. God said, look, I brought you into a bountiful country to eat of its fruit and its goodness. Now, think about that for a minute. God's saying, I have been so good to you. I have cared for you. I have nourished you. I have provided for your every need. And yet what happened? You became unthankful. You know, in Romans chapter 1, Paul, in talking about the Gentile world, says, neither were they thankful. I mentioned just a moment ago the Lord's Supper and the fact that the Lord's Supper is intended to bring to the fore of our mind the death of Jesus. Is it possible that sometimes, for whatever reason, we lose sight of that death, that we lose sight of the sacrificial death of Jesus on our behalf? Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Do you think Paul allowed what the Lord had done for, for him to escape his memory? No, when he wrote to the, to the saints in Galatia, he talked about Christ. He said, who loved me and gave himself for me. I think that there was this constant sense of gratitude on the lips of Paul. Wherever Paul went, he talked about what the Lord had done for him. And sometimes if we're not careful, we forget about all of the benefits and blessings that we enjoy in Christ. And so these people, they became idolatrous. They were demonstrating ingratitude. And then their ingenuity. Listen to him over in chapter 4. In chapter 4, verse 22, Jeremiah said, My people are foolish. He said, they have not known me. He said, they're foolish children. He said, they have no understanding. And then listen to him. He said, they are wise to do evil. You know, there's some people in our world today, they have mastered the art of evil. I mean, they know exactly what they're doing when it comes to unrighteous conduct and behavior. 
And they are masters at it. Paul talks about those who are inventors of evil things. There are some things that are going on in our world today that if you had asked me 30 years ago, would this have happened? I'd have said absolutely not. At least not in this country. But you think about, here are God's people. I mean, these, these are people that enjoy a relationship with the Lord. They've been blessed by Him. God has said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And yet, Jeremiah said, look, they're wise to do evil. How in the world could that have happened? Let me tell you what. When we lay aside the Word of God in our personal lives, and we, and we decide to be the captain of our own ship, let me tell you what, we're on dangerous ground. And these people should have known better. Listen to what he says. They're wise to do evil, but to do good, listen, they have no knowledge. Not only were they ingenious, but they were ignorant. Somewhat of a paradox, isn't it? I mean, I mean, you think about it, on the one hand, he's saying they're wise to do evil. But then on the other hand, he said, but to do good, they have no knowledge. Now I'd ask you the question today. How do people who claim a relationship with the Lord, how do they become so devoid of knowledge that they fail to live right and do right and act right? Jeremiah is writing to individuals, to a nation, yes. But to individuals, and he's saying, you know what, spiritually speaking, you guys are bankrupt. You guys you got some serious, serious problems. And then I think about their insensitivity. Turn over to chapter 6 and verse 15. In chapter 6, verse 15, Jeremiah asked this question. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? And his response was, no. They were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Does it amaze you that people sometimes who claim to be God's people, individuals who claim a relationship with the Lord, does it amaze you that sometimes they don't think twice about immoral behavior, about ungodly conduct? When you think about the children of Israel, here were people whose lives were to have been steeped in their relationship to God. His word was to have governed their lives, their behavior, and yet they had become so hard-hearted and insensitive to truth. Because he said in chapter 7, verse 28, truth has perished. It's been cut off from your, from your mouth. They had become so ingrained in their lifestyle. They lost the ability to blush. You know, we live in a nation today where folks have difficulty blushing, don't they? Things that we would just call right and wrong, truth and error. I mean, look at, look at these people. They had gotten so far out, spiritually speaking, so far out. God's word had no effect. As Jeremiah said, look, you don't even have the ability to blush. Could I ask you a question? When's the last time you blushed? When's the last time you blushed? over something that was blatantly wrong or immoral. Is it possible that we've seen so much, we've heard so much, that, that 
it just rolls off our back. Do, do you remember? Do you remember America of yesteryear? Television programs that used to used to be tame. Programs that, for the most part, were wholesome. And look at the evolution of television. And think about how it has, in many respects, shaped our way of thinking. Is it possible that as God's people, that we like the southern kingdom of Judah, we've seen so much, we've heard so much on television, at the movies or whatever, that it's like water rolling off of a duck's back. We don't give it a second thought. And I want you to think about this very quickly. Sometimes if we're not careful, we are guilty of coming to worship. And we hear the lesson, and we know in our heart of hearts that our lives are not what they ought to be, but you know what? It goes in one ear and out the other. We're no more affected by the Word of God than a man in the moon. And why is that? I mean, think about it. It's as if we hear, but we don't hear. We hear it, but it doesn't register, does it? The children of Israel, God is pleading with these people. And He's saying, look, you need to wake up. Let me tell you, there's some, there's some of us that need to wake up. We better wake up. And Jeremiah is pleading with these people. They're about to go into captivity, and God is saying, look, you don't have to go into captivity. But you know what? They wouldn't listen. Somebody said one time, if there's anything we've ever learned from history, it's we haven't learned from history. I believe that. It's true. And we look back and we think, you know, what, what in the world were they thinking? How could they have been so ignorant? Guess what? We're doing the same thing. Very quickly, their return to the Lord. Was it possible for them to return to the Lord? Possibility was there. God wanted his people back. As a matter of fact, there was a plea to come back. Jeremiah outlined a pathway back. Listen to him in verse 16. Jeremiah said, stand in the way and see and ask for the old path where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. God's, did you know God is calling people back today? Back in chapter 3, verse 14, here's what God said to the children of Israel. Return, O backsliding Israel, return. Come back. You know what God's saying today to people? Come back. People in the church, He's saying come back. To people that the Lord is married to, He's saying come home, come back, I'll take you back. To people that God has said, I love you, come back. To people that God has showered His constant attention and care, God is saying come back. What about that pathway back? To realize it is a gracious pathway and a good pathway. Listen to what, listen again to what Jeremiah said. Ask for the old path where the good way is and walk in it. He said, then you'll find rest for your souls. You know, sometimes we have the answer to the problems that we have in life. The problem is not that we don't have the answer. The problem is we're not willing We're not willing, we're not willing to accept the answer. God's saying, you don't need to go into captivity. 
And God's saying, what you need to do is stand in the way and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way and walk in it. You'll find rest. And here's what they said. We will not walk in it. So what I want to ask you today, think about your relationship to the Lord. Don't leave here in an unfaithful condition. Let me tell you what, you live unfaithfully as a parent, don't be surprised when your kids are unfaithful. So if you're here today and you're not faithful to the Lord, I want to encourage you to come home. You know, sometimes we need a wake-up call. Sometimes we need to think about some serious things. I can't think of anything more serious than your eternal soul. So if you're here today and you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, could we pray with you and for you? No reason for you to live, to live an unfaithful life. If you're here today and you're like the prodigal, John said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've never obeyed the gospel, what do you need to do? Believe Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. And be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 22, 16. If you do that, heaven will be your home if you're faithful till death. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love